Hi guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Anime Podcasters. I'm your host, Hasha Ginger, and with me I have my roommate and really the only one who actually wants to be around me on this podcast anymore, GoPro Kyo. How's it going, buddy? Oh, hi. Hi. Hello. I haven't seen people in ages. Yeah, I lock him in the cellar where he belongs. Don't worry, I send him a head of lettuce every week. Anyway. <laughs> I haven't been out in months. <laughs> well, I've been feeding... I forget what the sun smells like. I've been feeding you lettuce, so you're fine. <laughs> I am incredibly malnourished. The sun smells like sunshine. It's it's really not that amazing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, yeah, today's a uh, me and Kyo episode, so it's just us, no Jayanne, no Morel, just us uh, shooting back our bullshit back and forth, just just like old times before Jaden. You know, the good old days. The good old days. The Giant started Giant and I started the podcast. Yeah, know, I mean it. before we started recording. Again, the good old days. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, if that didn't signal to anybody that he wants the podcast to die, I don't know what it is. I don't want it to die. I just want it to end. There's a difference. <laughs> anyway, guys. But yeah, I guess we're doing a uh, a Ponsu cast styled episode. We're not doing anything that would be considered inappropriate necessarily. Uh, we're co- we're covering uh, who er, reincarnated as a slime today. Yep. Um, just uh, just for a note, guys, we are only care- uh, covering the first season because that is the only season that both of us have completely finished, as well as the OVAs. The uh, season two is is out and um, and dubbed and everything else. We have full opportunity to watch it. We just haven't. We're in the process of it. We haven't watched all of it yet. And we're we're about like what five six episodes in roughly yeah we're about halfway through the halfway through the first half <laughs> and yeah so stuff's actually starting to happen now <laughs> yeah and then uh, on top of that we're getting a reincarnated as a slime movie in the works yeah and then also down uh, down the future line is uh, slime season three so now it seemed like an appropriate time to start talking about it. <laughs> Yeah, just now when it's like two, three seasons in and a movie's coming. Oh yeah, but I'm slow. We all, we all know this. It was my fault. That we're we're both slow. We're really bad about like watching stuff while it's out. But there's also the fact that like unless it's a simulcast where they're like dubbing it as it's coming out, then we're probably not going to be able to keep up with it. Yeah. And I know we I know we'll probably make you guys mad, but you should know this already. Me and Kyo are dubbers, so sue us. That's just how we decide to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a Ponsu cast episode on sub versus dub is, or at least our opinions on the whole matter is due at some point. Yeah. Well, really a new episode of Ponsu cast is due regardless. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, guys, um, if you don't know anything about uh, that time I was reincarnated as a slime, it uh, literally is just a guy reincarnated as a slime in a RPG style fantasy world where he come he dies in his world and is isekai to another one resurrected as a slime and just his journey mm-hmm. going from like the lowest level monster to one of the world's most renowned leaders. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> and <laughs> Kyo was actually the first one to point this one out to me because it um it is an isekai and i've recently found out a lot of my favorite anime actually are isekais i just love the the idea of being transported to another world when you have the knowledge of yours and everything like that 
but it's also in a RPG style setting. So uh, there's a lot of game references. There's a lot of like talks about skills or level up and stuff like that. Like one of the first things that uh, Rimuru says is I'm not a, I'm not such a bad slime slurp, which is directly from uh, Dragon Quest. And there, it's just full it's full of references like that. And I'm a total sucker for stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it honestly, I I love it. It snuck it. It has snuck its way into my top ten anime of all time. I don't know where, but it is in there. <laughs> Re- really, uh, I like the fact that uh, the show is not not or like you say that the uh, that the show like references RPGs quite a yeah. bit. I feel like the writing is especially inspired by that because like, well, also, by the way, if you guys haven't seen it, spoilers, as per per usual, we're going to go in in depth into the whole first season. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. If you want to be convinced into watching it, just just go just go watch it. If you like uh, JRPG stuff or fantasy or isekai, you'll probably like it. It's a really big one right now. Or just take my word for it. It's good. Go spend your time watching it. Yeah. Yeah, nobody trusts your opinion, though. No, I know that's fair, but I can hope. <laughs> I, I, the one yeah, fan I, we yeah. have that's listening just takes my word for it and actually has a good time. Yeah, just the, the one. other ninety-five just take my word for it and say, "Wow, his taste is crap." <laughs> <laughs> but like I was saying, the uh, the writing is so steeped in it. Like the one of the main uh, plot or uh, plot elements is the uh, the concept of naming which is really, really clever when you realize that uh, if you go through a game and a lot of your enemies are just named uh, like the species that they are, that makes uh, and then you correlate that with the show. The show has the same kind of idea where like if the uh, if there's the a bunch of these characters or NPCs, if you will, that don't have a name, it's kind of in it's kind of in reference to that. And it's kind of drawing from the idea that if you give a nothing monster a name it becomes like a special monster so like if you for example like in skyrim there are uh animals or uh enemies that have names and they're usually stronger but the whole idea behind it is that in uh reincarnated as a slime is that because they have the name the name gives them power that's actually how it is in uh like again it goes back to dragon quest because when you're fighting enemies in there um, like if you're fighting multiple slimes, it'll be slime A, B, and C, but then you'll mm-hmm. get a mission from somewhere, go like kill Gary the slime, and he's like a mini boss. <laughs> There's no actual Gary the slime, but the fact that he has a name, you're like, oh, this dude means business. <laughs> and it it's kind of amazing the fact that Rimru doesn't actually know this going into the world, because when he comes back, he just thinks he's his... Uh, his original self like he doesn't even realize he's a slime until a few minutes in and then he is given the name Remuru Tempest by uh, an ancient frozen sealed dragon <laughs> oh yeah that's right the dragon had yeah name. the i i can't uh ranga i think no not ranga that's no that's, that's the, the wolf that's the te- that's the wolf man. I, I can't remember the name the name of the storm dragon but he's the one who gives Remuru the name Remuru Tempest and Crap, why can't I remember it either? And then is since uh, since he is a named slime, he is nigh unstoppable. And then he eats the dragon. <laughs> Rimuru is, uh, if you guys don't know, Rimuru is kind of like Kirby in a way. 
where select enemies <laughs> he can ingest with a skill called Predator and copy their abilities and make them his own. It, it's kind of amazing. He, he has a, a mimic ability from a slime so he can take the form of whatever he consumes or just straight up use the skills for whatever he consumes. And I, I love mimic stuff like that. Like Changeling is one of my favorite classes in D&D, like the shapeshifters, stuff like that. Um, able to mimic deception, stuff like this. It, it's honestly one of my fa- one of my favorite things in fantasy in general. It's just shape shifting and copying. I mean, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so after the fact that uh, the dragon names Rimuru, Rimuru continues on through uh, through the cave that he's in and comes across monsters of various skills. Like he gets a, a water slash ability, a sticky web ability. Um, uh, armor hardening ability and he uses all of these later and just keeps them kind of under his hat because his magic pool is apparently endless <laughs> eventually <laughs> he finally makes his way to a lowly goblin village and defends it from a pack of dire wolves defeats the dire wolves and turns the goblins and the wolves into friends and names all of them <laughs> <laughs> and the head honcho, the goblin, uh, the goblin tribe that started as like this scrawny, weak, timid old man, like think Master Roshi, but not powerful at all. And then imagine buffed out Roshi just all the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Now I, I see what you mean. <laughs> I hadn't made that connection. <laughs> I, it was the first one I could think of, if I'm being totally honest. No, no, no. It's good. It's but good. It totally tracks. I like it. Yeah, it makes sense. So, I mean, if that doesn't tell you that names mean everything in this world, I really don't know what does. Like, yeah. but the fact, but the thing is, Rimuru names like er, almost everyone he comes across that doesn't have a name, and giving someone that much magical power drains you quick. Like, he spends the entire entire rest of the day naming the rest of the Goblin Village, and he had to spend three days passed out. Yeah, and then. Journeys continue from there. Uh, the goblins take Rimuru on as the leader of their nation or the leader of their tribe, which slowly grows as Rimuru expands into the world, like going to the Dwarven Kingdom, going to the Human Kingdom, uh, defending the woods, uh, getting allies in there. And he just goes all over the place. And what starts is like this little, like maybe 10 tent little colony of goblins becomes a full-on freaking nation. And there's, <laughs> from where we are in season one, there's talks of it being like the center trade station of the nation. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad for somewhere that started off as a tent. <laughs> so from where we are in the, in the show, we're, uh, uh, we're just now getting to a point where uh, things are wrapping up, ramping up into uh, supposedly a war-like scenario. So, like, if you uh, if you guys get through season one, I will say season one is a little slow. If there, if you're really looking for something with a lot of action, there's not that much action until like the latter, uh, the second half of the season. Would you say like I'd I'd say roughly uh, like there's what, what was it like eight episodes in? I think when something actually really big happens i'd say roughly yeah but up until that point they're spending the time like world bend world bending world building, world building and establishing the rules and everything of their society and their realm so it's yeah. like uh every like almost every race is divided to themselves 
Uh, names are the ones that grant power. Monsters are seen as hideous creatures to be slain by humans, especially early adventurers, and thing, uh, so on and so forth. So the fact that mm-hmm. monsters are seen as like this low-level grind fest, like they are in a in an early RPG, and then Rimuru turns that all around on its head and saying, "No, mm-hmm. we're friendly monsters." <laughs> Which in 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 certain RPGs there are friendly monsters. But a lot of the times you don't think about that and just go in and slaughter every slime you see. It, it kind of has that sort of uh, Undertale uh, mentality of like turning your uh, turning your expectations on their head of like the monsters having personalities and feelings and just sentience in general. Like, uh, for instance, when we first meet the uh, this is a little bit into season one. When we first meet the Onis, uh, the Oni siblings, um, all that's on their mind is just revenge over the one who burned down their village and and killed everyone. But after Rimuru faces them and shows them his power, he awards them with names and they forever join his cause and become like his most trusted advisors and closest friends in the village. Like especially, especially Xion, who started as like this total feral looking primal princess that would maul you into the ground as soon as you sneeze into like the most hardcore loyal secretary kind of character to Re- to Rimuru especially. You know, Shion's not the princess, right? No, I know, but uh, okay. So I know Shizu's the, not Shizu. Um, Shuna. I, thank you. Brain fart. I know Shuna actually <laughs> is the, the only princess and does evolve, but it's just the fact that how Shion looked at first. Like, she looked like a warrior yeah. princess, kind of. Like a warrior primal princess. Mm. Okay, I see what you yeah. mean. And then just turns into a full-on secretary for Raymer. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you can't think of a tone jump, that I don't know what a tone jump is if that isn't one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> the funny, funny enough, though the uh, the leader of the Onis, the brother, um, I can't remember his name either. Damn! Wow, he left an impression. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. He's strong and everything, <laughs> but I can't remember his name. <laughs> and it's, I feel really bad. I feel like I should have the slime wiki up on the side. Probably here. <laughs> the fact the fact that I only remember Xion's name by heart should probably tell you <laughs> how I feel about this. How I feel about it. But like he's he started as total feral and like fight first and like prove prove your worth to me in strength. And he's still kind of that way, but now he's he's willing to talk to you because of what Rimuru taught him. But he will still mow you down given the chance given the chance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just funny to see how um like how different people can be, especially I to go back to the name thing, how different they can be from when they start, and then the second that you say, "Oh, your name is Philip," and then they fully change personality and attacks and everything about themselves just instantly shifts. But things aren't all uh, things aren't all fun and games in uh, in the land of reincarnation of slime because we also have bad guys. Because what would an anime be without bad guys? <laughs> and I think like the first. Not the first major bad guy we we come across because she ends up being a friend, but um, when we first see Malene's power and like someone that can actually stand toe to toe with Rimuru and his skill, and honestly would have killed Rimuru if not if he didn't do what he did. But that's still wait. It, oh, you're talking. Oh, right. You're talking about Malene. Yeah. 
but that still plants the soils for like Malim is a is a demon lord, but it plants the seeds because she's being told to attack Rimuru by someone else. So there's there's a way bigger story going on here, and it it does spend a lot of time ramping up and explaining to it and getting to that point, especially. Uh, like, now that we're in Season 2, it is getting to that point. We just haven't seen it yet. But I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> really, the first season spends a lot of time trying to get you invested in this world. And I think that the fact that it's, like, super laced with RPG DNA and uh, it... I feel like it's very much written by somebody who played a lot of hours of like Dragon Quest or something and had a lot of ideas of like how to make that world a little more expansive or how they would do a similar world. And I don't know, I, I think maybe the the whole idea of it might have been just inspired by the slime and the slime from Dragon Quest is already such an iconic character, especially like in Japan and especially outside of Japan. Because slimes, slimes in general are seen as iconic monsters because uh, they're, they're in like every fantasy game, especially every JRPG. Like they're in Dragon yeah. Quest, they're in Neptunia, they're in, I think there's a version of them in Zelda somewhere too that you fight. Really? I, I think. I could be remembering that completely wrong, but I think there is a, a form of slime you eventually fight in a Zelda game. Oh, okay. Well, as somebody who's like never played a Zelda game, I wouldn't know. Yeah, just take my word for it. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, yeah, and I'll I just... and I'll own that. <laughs> I'm sure people will let you know. <laughs> one uh, one thing that slightly did bother me, but I see why. But it 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 didn't. Okay, uh, let me explain this step by step. When okay. Rimuru was in the Dwarven Kingdom and got his fortune told, and w- and was told about the hero that he was meant to soul bond with, and that would be with him forever. Uh, That was our introduction to Shizu. Mm -hmm. And when we first find Shizu, she's an awesome powerhouse. She has amazing fire fire abilities, sword-wielding skills. Um, Find find out she's connected to the warrior or the hero of old, uh, a direct protege from her, uh, Mass Majin. Like, she has all this unique ties and everything to her. And then... About four or five episodes after meeting her, she dies. <laughs> like there, there's there's a whole lot of reasoning why, and it it's explained really well in a good storytelling. But I've never seen an anime tell a main character you're supposed to be with this person forever, and then that person dies. <laughs> well, it's technically true because he he does absorb her. He does he does absorb her, and that's where his human form comes from. And he does look like a younger Shizu. So she mm-hmm. is with him forever. She, he, hell, he's even still like living up to her legacy as best as he can. Mm-hmm. But it's still a little fucked. It's still a little fucked. And like you say, it's uh, what was the word you used for something, something uh, expectations subverting playing a uh, su- subversion, of expectations. subversion of expectations, because when you hear that, you initially think, oh, they're going to be romantic. They're going to be. Uh, partners fighting side by side and lovers in, or partners in love and so on and so forth. And instead he eats her <laughs> like be- because that's the only burial he can give her. Like it's not a it's not just a uh, I'm going to eat you so we're together forever. No, he, she asked for it because the thing led to keeping her alive had been taken mm-hmm. out of her body and she was slowly withering away. 
and her right. time in this world was ending. So the best thing that Rumor could do would be to consume her her essence into himself to keep her with him. Well, what about that bothered you? Was it just the fact that she was not there for very long? Pretty much, yeah. Just because like I, I loved how much of a powerhouse and as sort of the time was with her as a character, I really liked her. Like with her uh, adventuring with the uh, the adventuring trio that we found and growing the bond with them, the bond that she very quickly grew with Rimuru and the fact that we lose her after like four or five episodes just left me like, ah, which does, doesn't mean she's out of the show. There's episodes later, like flashback episodes where we see where we see Shizu on her journeys as a Majin taking on quests and assassinations and everything. So we, she's not done in the show, but it just sucks that when we see her, she more or less is gone. Well, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I do agree that it sucks that it's kind of short or short-lived, uh, at least with Rimuru and the, the nation and all that. But I feel like it, I feel like what they did do uh, really sold your really sold you on the character and the interaction she has with uh, Rimuru and how they're bonding over the, the fact that they're both from another world. And even though the, the world that they're from is uh, from like completely different eras, like supposedly she was from like when the bombs are being dropped on like Nagasaki, for example. So like during the uh, like during world war two, essentially. Yeah, but I didn't. And and then and then on top, but then he's like from years and years later. And even though they're from, and they're from the same country, but even though they're from different eras, they still ha- uh, share this bond and they have this talk about uh, how they have such. They they just show that they have such a shared vision of like the world isn't all that bad, and the world that they're in now is uh, is giving them a second chance because the way that they lived in the previous life just wasn't satisfying or uh, it was over too soon. And I feel like that's strong enough to, to carry that. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I have to give you that. And especially with how they picked each other, picked up on it, that they were from another mm-hmm. world. Cause when Rimuru uh, met her after everyone was relaxing, the trio were sitting like slouched back, relaxed, just like not a care in the world. But she, sitting on their asses, yeah, actually. But Shizu <laughs> was sitting on her knees, like her legs tucked yeah. under her. And that's a traditional Japanese sitting. And then when Rimuru said, I'm not such a bad slime slurp, she's the only one that laughed because she got it, that it was from a game that she heard from her friend. Yeah. So just like these two little tiny nods, but the fact that they're enough to let people know that they have that kind of special connection that not a lot of other people have. And then after after that, d- diving into their connection deeper, when Shizu finally does die and tells Rimuru that she was a teacher at a school um, for people like her that were summoned to this world, not resurrected like he was, she, won- she wanted him to watch after those kids and, and make sure that they are strong enough to live on. And that's exactly what he does. After spending some more time with... Uh, with his nation making sure it can be left in capable hands for a while, he goes off to that school and does everything in his power to make sure those kids stay safe. And, and in that, like, it's not only just a, uh, it, it's not only fun to see Rimuru as a teacher, but it's also, uh, 
it's also emotionally satisfying to see Rimuru live up to Shizu's legacy. And it, it not only shows that he greatly respected her and he not only empathized and knew exactly what she was dealing with, or at least to a certain degree, uh, being away from home entirely and being separated from their family. Uh, he's honoring that legacy and just showing his immense amount of respect for that person. Yeah, that's kind of why I love uh, Freemuro as a character. He's extremely empathetic to other people's a- causes. Actually, can I just bring? Can I start this topic? Because I actually want to talk about this. Because I was, uh, I-, I just want to jump off of this. Okay, real yeah, quick. go for it. What's up? So I was trying to. Ha- I was very confused when I first started watching this because I noticed that there were a couple of things that uh, kind of threw me off when I first started watching the show. So I asked you this question the other day. Uh, when we were watching the show and I was like, Rimuru is, should be super bland, right? <laughs> well, like I, I was saying that like he, he seems like a really bad protagonist just like on paper, but I was trying to, but I was asking you like, what do you think it is that makes him like an actually good character? Like so likable. Yeah. I think I, my, my first conclusion was like, is it just the charisma of like the, the way that they're written? Is it the charisma of the actor? Like, yeah, what what do you think it is? I think a lot of it does have to do with the world that he's in because he. Well, I, I'm I'm asking about like uh, Reimer as a character. No, no, I know, but in order to in order to do that, it has to also take into account his environment, like the kind of world that he's in. Well, yeah, but I, in, in this case, are you talking about like before he becomes a slime or after? No, after. Okay. Like, well, now I gotta know what you're, where you're going with this. So he's, so after he dies and becomes resurrected, he's more or less the same kind of character that he was before. Which, when we saw him in the first, in his original world, he was bland. He was just kind of a standard nobody and and everything else. But he was, it seemed like he was selfless and self and self sacrificing, because that's how he died mm-hmm. in the first place. And he kept those ideals after he was resurrected and was brought into a world where it was commonplace that goblins were accepted to die for uh, for adventurers. And they were accepted as food as dire wolves. Slime was seen as the weakest monsters like this world had a had a rule set, like things that were already set in, in stone. And Rimuru was there to show it doesn't have to be this way. There's another way to do all this. And. So making the goblin like he could have gone the route of just making the goblin stronger and like just out of pure strength and massacring everyone. But he doesn't do that. He empathizes with everyone's cause. And he so when it comes to the direwolves, for instance, they're attacking the goblins. All he does is take out the alpha and say, your leader is gone. Is this really the path that you decided you wanted to do? Or were you just following him? Like, he gives everyone options. So he empathizes with everyone's cause and makes everyone matter, and everyone has a voice. And that's, I feel like that's why a lot of people love him so much. Like, in, in the world. Hmm. I see what you mean, but I, I'm trying to think, like, on a writing level, what on exactly On a writing level, I so... have no idea he should right. be one of the most blandest <laughs> and, like, most forgettable characters, period. But I have, a, I think it really does have to take into account the world that he's in. And like what he's done there, mm. I, hmm, I think you're you're kind of right. So like maybe the 
the thing that makes him so likable is the fact that he's I think it's also the fact that he's not a typical shonen protagonist, I should say. I know the show's not a not necessarily a shonen. I guess, I guess it could be, but I don't know. I don't know how that I don't know how the, I don't know but, how that all rabbit hole happens anymore if I'm being honest. Yeah. I, I mean, I assume I usually assume like if it's a shonen jump manga, like if it's a boys manga or something, then that's what it would be yeah. like. I feel like this is just meant for anybody who can get it who's like into jrpgs and fantasy which might explain why i love it so much (laughs) yeah (laughs) it it was it was this show that um and i I was talking to you about this too it was this show that cemented like oh my god i just looked at this how many shows that i love are just straight up isekais well there's uh no game no life for no game no life uh resurrected as a slime um i know there's more (laughs) <laughs> i know there's more i'm sure you had like a couple more but i can't think i can't of think any. of any off the top of my head and i forgot to write them down but oh well. anyway like i was saying i think the i think you're right that like his the fact that he comes from a very different world and it seems i think that one of the things that is kind of helping rimuru as a character is the fact that uh he comes from a place where it's where socially the the overall uh, idea for the for the people socially is uh, the concept of the bigger picture. So it kind of infor- so it kind of uh, reinforces selflessness uh, in a world where selfishness is probably more prominent. So I think that might be one of the big ingredients in there. And I think it's also just uh, Brittany Karbowski's English uh, or the voice of Rimuru in English. She is such a good actress. <laughs> hey, Jaden, guess who this is, actually? This is he has no this idea. This is Black Star. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare bring that back. <laughs> I'm only saying that Black Star is one of the most loved characters in uh, Resurrected as a Slime because he's she's the main <laughs> character. Fair enough. Not trying to start I, anything. I think, what he uh, does with that is his own business. <laughs> That's fair. I also think just the fact that Rimuru learns and adapts is probably the most uh, most admirable part. Because he's he's not concept, a he's not a like jump in and just push the problem until it's done. He spends yeah, his time analyzing. He's not Naruto. He spends his time. He's not Naruto or Ichigo or Goku or whatever. Yeah, have you, basically. he spends his time analyzing and goes through like every possible kind of situation in order to plan the best possible outcome. Like the you, you know the phrase uh, you you admire a character more for what they try, not not necessarily what they've done. Yeah. So I think that applies a lot to regular shonen characters, but I think it applies even more so to. Uh, Rimuru in the sense that like he tries so hard to just uh, give everybody he meets a chance so he he kind of has like I'll give this person the benefit of the doubt with pretty much everybody he meets actually speaking of that um, when hmm. the uh, when the orc king shows up like the whole oh, army march yeah that's such a good yeah and go ahead they so there's an invading army coming in about numerous uh, to numerous kingdoms. They're mowing down. The orcs get stronger if one of them drops dead and the rest of them and they eat have to the eat body him. and gain that power and strength. 
So the fewer they are, the stronger they are. And that is a concept I fucking adored. But when it came time for Rimuru to join the fight, all of his other subjects were down in the fight and he was floating above it, keeping an eye on the situation, analyzing and taking in all the information he could on the orcs and seeing that if one of them was killed or died, that all the rest of them got stronger. And he was even giving the Orc King a chance to to come to terms with this and to survive. But when that went awry, he was Rimuru was not one to just take that lying down and did just straight up do everything in his power to kill him and stop the fighting. So mm-hmm. it wasn't it like he does try to talk it out if if he can, but unlike a lot of shonen protagonists that's not all he does he does if if he does see that fighting that talking is not going to work he does fight and get the job done like one of the final lines he actually says to the or king is i'm sorry but you lost to me you're going to die now <laughs> like he doesn't he doesn't say admit defeat and i'll stop he says i'm going to finish this and that is something that i just adore about rimuru <laughs> Now that now that you bring that up, I think the I think the biggest thing is that just that Rimuru learns. Yeah. And that he's a smart character. And I think people just uh, miss the idea or just like the idea of a character who learns and keeps getting better. And I and I noticed something else. So, like, if you guys haven't gotten to season two or at least this point of season two, uh, there's a point where they're the nation of Tempest is about to be attacked and Rimuru is not there and they're cutting off communication to him. That kind of reminds me of uh, what they did in Helsing, where they uh, separated Alucard from England and the rest of the Helsing organization. When he was fighting on the barge. Yeah. Yeah. And and this comes back to a concept that uh, Takahata, the guy who wrote the abridged version and is part of TFS, he, he said, when you have a character who is basically a trump card, you have to remove them from a really from uh, you have to remove them from the main or the scenario, the main story in order for some kind of stakes to actually grow, which actually tracks a lot because one punch does the same thing. Like, yeah. at the end of season one, where in that where uh the alien overlord like Frieza motherfucker attacks and Saitama mm-hmm. is nowhere around and every hero is fighting tooth and nail to do everything about it. And Saitama doesn't show yeah, up until it's just exactly. about too late. <laughs> like it is. And, and like he, like I said, like you have to rate if you want the stakes to be high and you want conse- there to be like at, at least the illusion of consequences to be uh, uh, visible to the audience, you have to remove a character who is basically the, uh, y- you basically have to remove the spirit bomb essentially yeah. <laughs> is what, is what it is. is, is literally what it is. And when you have a character that's that powerful and you have to remove them and that's what builds up the stakes. The fact that you can come up with like two other examples of that is kind of is uh I don't know exactly how to explain what I'm what I mean there, but it is uh, just the fact that just the fact that I made that connection uh, is is interesting to me as well. I mean, it is a trope, but it's a trope that I don't really mind because well, I think it's a trope that should ha- I'm not necessarily saying it should happen more often, but I like seeing it more 
And it's it's more interesting seeing the side characters have to deal with something without the without literally the uh, the super gun that wins everything. Actually, basically. they did that in Naruto, too, for the for the war. Like, I mean, I mean, the circumstance when Nar- when Naruto was separated, yeah, I mean, the or... circumstance was different. Oh, OK, because uh, they kept Naruto. Well, like, they kept Naruto away from the war, so they wouldn't get the nine tailed fox. But right. Naruto's also the biggest fucking trump card because it's Naruto. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's, ki- it's well, kind that, of that, that's thing. a little different. That That's a little different because, like, Naruto is not the the winner card necessarily. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, they don't show him that, like, or they don't show him as being as all powerful as uh they they don't show him being as all powerful as you might think they he do is. They in the war. <laughs> the whole point the whole point of uh shonen is like for a character to overcome odds and obstacles and you and by doing that you have to show that the enemy is powerful uh that is taking down all these other powerful characters uh and then you have your shonen protagonist who almost falls and just on the brink of death they come back and they win. And then things are fine again after they beat the bad yeah. guy. And so it's it is it is similar, but the idea is more so that the super powerful character has to be taken out of the situation or at least unreachable in order for stakes to be be as high as they are. Okay. I'm but I do see I do see your I do see the connection. I get I completely get what you mean though. Okay. And like I said, it's a trope. It's a trope I don't really mind seeing. Because I do love the the main hero being pushed away from the fight, like when yeah. when he joins the fight, yeah, you're you're sure it's gonna turn out fine in the end. The hero's gonna win, so on and so forth. I'm not really the kind of guy that gets bent out of shape about that. I'm like, yes, I want the hero to win. I'm watching this for the hero. I very rarely vote for the villain. <laughs> like just because I know the hero is gonna win doesn't mean I know how the hero is gonna win. Well, that's the other thing. It's also good for for build up. Like when that character comes back, like when Alucard comes back in Helsing uh, Helsing Ultimate, it's the coolest fucking thing. Because you've had the buildup of like Alucard's not here, we have to deal with things without him, and then once he gets here, you're like, "Oh shit, stuff's about to go because down." Because he's going to <laughs> wreck everything. And re- yeah, exactly. And for where it's kind of the same with Rimuru. And for where we are right now in season two, we mm-hmm. left at the buildup, so everything is about to go down in uh, in Tempest right now. Reamer's cut off mm-hmm. communications, doesn't know anything that's going on. He's at the school. I can only imagine the pure, unadulterated fury that Reamer is going to have if he sees all of this happening. Especially if he sees that his friends have been have been killed defeated. or hurt in any way. I'm sure they're not going to die. Well, but no, still. I'm. <laughs> I know. I know. Ba- I know. Big time characters aren't going to hurt, but like, say, like NPC characters, like goblins. Or like background characters and stuff like that. Like, there's going to be some yeah, fair, fair. some death because this is a kingdom attack, and the fact that yeah, his the true. fact that that's his true. kingdom is being attacked, the kingdom that he's been establishing this whole time as a friendly community, like everyone is welcome, that kind of thing, and to see it under attack, I can only imagine what he's going to do. Yeah. All right. With that said, uh, I think we should start wrapping up around here. Yeah, I think it's about time to do okay. that. Uh, do you got any closing thoughts? Uh, 
things you want to discuss before we call it? I don't really have any big, big topics to discuss, but closing thoughts on it. How uh, that time I was resurrected as a slime, even though I've come into it this freaking late, it took me this long to find and this long to watch. I love it. It is one of my top 10 <laughs> animes of all time, period. When we started watching it, I already have all the seasons on DVD that are available. <laughs> I have a Shion statue. I have a Rimuru plush pillow. I love this fucking show. <laughs> and I want and I'm so happy that we get a season three and a movie. And <laughs> again, I, th- Kyo, thank you for showing me this one in the first place. Because yeah, no, it's one of my favorites, period. That I heard a lot of good stuff about it. Uh on top of that, I was also in the hospital when I first started watching it. This is when I was uh, sick with COVID last year around uh or no was it 2020 it was 20, 2022 I think or 2020 I think. I thought it was 2020. Oh yeah, it was. It was 2020. It was. Yeah. Uh it was like late 2020. I was October. I was really sick. I had pneumonia on top of COVID. Uh, and I had nothing but time on my hands. I was in the hospital for like a week and a half. And, uh, one of the things I decided to do was start, uh, watching, uh, reincarnated as a slime. And to my surprise, it was really uplifting. It was really nice. Uh, I especially needed it because it was such a feel good series when I was in such a bad, bad place. I wasn't uh, at the point that I started watching it. I was at a point where the doctors are telling me you're going to be okay. We just need to keep you here for a little while. And uh, I was feeling really homesick. I missed home. I missed Austin. Austin was homesick without me. Uh, uh, All my friends and family were worried about me and I couldn't draw because I uh, one my tablet was at home and I didn't think of asking for my sketchbook and I didn't want to inconvenience anybody. <clears throat> but uh I had my phone and my tablet and or uh not my drawing tablet, sorry. Uh I had my uh TV tablet and I just started watching and it really lifted my spirits. And when I was sick I started watching Goblin Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> no you didn't that not. would be a bad idea. <laughs> if you were sick while watching Goblin Slayer, you, I I guarantee you probably wouldn't have gotten better. No, I I spent that entire time watching Futurama, something I know is uplifting. Yeah, I and funny. remember. <laughs> I got home and Austin was just like, hey. I was still on my bed. I think I've never I was seen on like, such a dead man. Still on my bed. I think at that point I was on the Futurama movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's like season six, where it's just a bunch of films. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's all we had to say about reincarnated as a slime and uh, what it means to us and how we feel about it. So I do. Yeah, I do hope to do another part on this, whether it is here or on Ponsu Cast, where uh, about season two, uh, about season two, and on Ponsu Cast there is like a possibility for us to do waifus and resurrected as a slime because. There's quite a few waifus. My heart still pans for Xion. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I can't I can't say that you're wrong, my friend. I can't say that you're wrong. <laughs> all right, but that but those are all topics for another day, guys. Um it when we get through season 2, hopefully we'll do an episode on that and when season 3 in the movie comes, hopefully we'll do that as well. So, until then, guys, I guess this has been another episode or wait, no, we have to closing thoughts and yeah. Kyo, where are people finding you? (laughs) 
I'm at GoPro Kill on Twitter <laughs> and uh, Newgrounds and Facebook. No, it's uh, I'm under Church Christensen on uh, Facebook. If you guys want to follow my Facebook page, beautiful. You can. You don't have to. I also have a website. That's his. I want money. That's his. Please. That's his backhanded way of telling you of telling you to pay him and watch him and love him. <laughs> Please, I can't live on cabbage, cabbages forever. But our beautiful avatars here on the episode uh, are provided by GoPro Kyo, so you guys have a taste of his art style. Well, thank you. So just go ahead, find him on everywhere that he just listed, find his commissions, his super affordable rates. Obviously, he's my best friend. You guys just go ahead, check him out, commission him. Pay him so we can get McDonald's. <laughs> And you guys can find me, uh, Hotshot Ginger, right here on Giant Music's channel and wherever his podcasts are heard, wherever you are. Hi, guys. You guys can find me over on my t- uh, my channel, Hotshot Ginger, on YouTube, where we do Ponsucast, the one that we've uh, brought up a couple times here, where we do the dark and underside underbelly of anime, basically waifus and uh, not appropriate for little ones. Uh, you guys can also find me over on Twitter at Hotshot Ginger, where I do nothing but ghost you. And I have been having a bit of an identity <laughs> crisis on Twitch. I do plan to return and I do plan to stream. But right now I'm just trying to find out what kind of uh, motif I want to go for and everything else. I do pop on every now and again with our friend uh, Yuki, if you guys remember her. Uh, a couple months ago now I did a collab with her where we... Spent like a half hour going around finding new Pokemon and challenging each other to a battle, and hilarity ensued. <laughs> so if that's still if the VOD's still on her channel, go ahead check her out. It's under Key Sky Snow on Twitch. And with all that said, guys, that's has been another episode of Animal Podcasters. Bye, guys. Bye.